Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my co-host, Curtis, here with me today to recap Georgia's latest victory in the clean, old-fashioned, hey, rivalry, shutout edition. And off the top here, why not? I got a few numbers to just rub a little bit of salt in Tech's wound because, well, because Tech sucks. So off the top, let's go with this. So if you guys don't know this by now, a lot of you probably do, but just in case you don't, never hurts to reiterate it. This is the largest shutout win by Georgia over Georgia Tech in our program's history. This also matched the largest margin of victory that we've ever had over the Nerds, matching the margin of victory from the 2019 game, actually the very last time that we played Tech. That was a 52-7 victory, obviously 45 points there. So let's just think about this for a second, guys. The two largest margins of victory in the history of this series have have come the last two times that we've played them. That is not something Jeff Collins wants on his resume. But I mean, it just goes to show you where these two programs are right now. We are obviously doing big things, doing what we're doing, and Tech is um, a borderline FCS program right now. Jeff Collins came in talking big with his 404, ATL, all that junk, akin to Butch Jones and his brick-by-brick junk from years ago at Tennessee, and he has clearly just fallen flat on his face in tech. It's hard to, like, actually, it's hard to say, but I think it might be true. They are worse off under Jeff Collins right now than they were under Paul Johnson. I know it wasn't something their fans wanted to watch. I wouldn't want to watch triple option offense either. I get it, but at least they won some games under Paul Johnson. They're just not even close to beating us right now. Like, they're not even in the same stratosphere as Georgia. And it was never more evident than it was on Saturday. 45 nothing could have easily been 100 nothing. Like, just as easily as Charleston Southern could have been 100 nothing. that game Saturday against Tech in Atlanta could have been 100 to nothing if we had really wanted to make it 100 to nothing. And speaking of 100 to nothing, Tech has now been beaten 100 to 0 in their final two games of the regular season. They were blanked 55 nothing in South Bend two weeks ago, and we shut them out 45 nothing. I'm bad at math. I think 55 plus 45, that comes out to 100, right? 100 to nothing over the final two games of regular season. 
it's hard to imagine how Jeff Conn still has a job. And I know they don't want to pay buyouts, and I know that it was a rebuild. It's a tough rebuild when you're trying to come away from the triple option offense. I understand all of that, but dude, they're just not making progress. I get Jameer Gibbs got hurt. I get Jeff Sims didn't play, but man, they're just not even close right now. And that guy still somehow has a job. Crazy. And that win over Georgia Tech gives us 69 over the Nerds, which is actually more wins than we have against any other opponent in our program's long, proud history. And I could go on and on and on, but we've got a game to break down. But first, before we go there, I do want to remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. I hope you guys got your Black Friday shopping in. I know I did. I got some things for my loved ones. Also got a a thing or two for myself. Did treat myself a little bit. I tell you guys all the time, when I walk into Alumni Hall, I simply can't not buy something for myself. I'm always going to see something that I want. And when it comes to Georgia stuff, like there's just something in my brain, like I I can't say no. I just got to get it. So always be repping. That's why I say always be repping. I'm always repping in Alumni Hall. There's no one else in the country that helps you rep the G better than Alumni Hall. And if you missed the Black Friday sale, no big deal. Cyber Monday is here, guys. On Monday, they actually even have a better deal. 25% off your purchase if you use the code CYBER21+. Free shipping on all online orders. So that's awesome. It's only 25% off, but you're also saving a bundle on shipping there as well. Again, that's Cyber 21. So don't miss out on this chance to get some Christmas shopping done. Or, hey, don't be ashamed. Buy a little something for yourself as well. And of course, when you guys make your next trip to Athens, because you know you're coming back to Athens, you know you are, make sure to book that stay at the Normal Town Cottage right in the heart of Athens in the lovely Normal Town District just a short distance away from downtown, free tree-line parking in a gorgeous neighborhood, three bedrooms, kitchenette, big screen TV, awesome host who takes care of all your needs, clean, safe, comfortable, everything you could want for a stay in the classic city. So make sure to book that stay today on Airbnb. You can also find them on Instagram or you can click the link that is pinned to our Twitter profile. All right, Curtis, so... Yeah, that was a blowout. And you and I, along with about 50,000 or so other Georgia fans, were there in attendance on Saturday. Kurt, what would you say? Like, what percentage of the crowd would you say was red and black on Saturday? I'd say minimum 60%, in my opinion. I, I feel like it was more like 90%. I would, I, realistic, I think 70 to 80%, realistically, because I mean, and that's going off saying someone wearing black is more likely a Georgia fan. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the middle of, of both sidelines, you have, you know, the premium seats because they have a lot of season ticket holders there. And a lot is a strong word. It's not a lot, a couple of them. I don't know, man. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I would say minimum 75%. I really feel like it was closer to like 85, 90%. But there, whatever, there were a ton of Georgia fans, not just in the stadium, but all around Atlanta. We just kind of descended upon the city for uh, the first time uh, of a two-week span here as we'll be back obviously this weekend for the SEC championship game. But uh, it was awesome, man. It was, it's always great going to Tech and seeing all the red and black because that's not a new thing that happens basically every single time that we play there. I don't know if you saw this quote. or Did you see this quote from uh, from Trace Willing, the Tech cornerback? I did see that, yeah. And this, by the way, I, I believe this is the guy who Pickens threw headfirst into the wall a couple years it back, is. right? <laughs> yeah, it's him, right? So if you guys missed this quote, it's hilarious, man. He's, and it, I mean, I guess there's a touch of sadness there. Like, he's obviously upset about it, but I mean, do you feel bad for him? Nah, that's what happens when you go to Tech. But he said, quote, seeing all the red in the stadium on senior day, my last game being here, just truthfully, 
It doesn't feel great. Looking back to everything that we've been through and the seniors and every guy that's been here, that's one of those things that I get that comes with it, though. So he's basically just admitting, yeah, when you go to Georgia Tech, this is what happens because nobody cares. And we play Georgia. This is just the way it's going to be. So, I don't know, man, I, I got to kick out of that one. But as for the game itself, it wasn't much of a game, obviously. I mean, it's one of those games you kind of find yourself yawning by halftime. And, I mean, it's awesome to beat people how we're beating people. Don't get me wrong. I love this, you know, compared to the alternative. But it is completely taking the drama out of the equation. And the reality was, Kerr, I mean, well, yeah, Tech's not technically an FCS program. They kind of are right now. Like They're kind of playing that way. I mean, they're just that bad. So with, so just like with the Charleston Southern game, like there's, I mean, there's no value in breaking down how that game played out. I mean, what are we going to talk about? So what we're going to do is we're going to approach today's show like this. I've got a list of topics coming out of the weekend. Most of them are related to the game that we played uh, against Tech. Uh, and I'm just going to run through them, and we're just going to discuss it that way because there's just no reasons I like, go back. I'm like, hey, what was the turning point in the game? Because the, the, the ball was kicked off. That was a turning point in the game. So we're going to do it this way today. And, Kurt, number one on my list, on my list of topics here to talk about coming out of the weekend, is tight end Brock Bowers. We've got a lot to talk about here, Curtis. I want to open with this, though. We did not get a chance to discuss it on the show last week, but Brock Bowers was outrageously – not named a Mackey Award finalist. The three guys that were named, Trey McBride, 1,000 total yards, 12 yards per catch, 11 touchdowns, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State, 658 yards receiving, 12.4 yards per catch, five touchdowns. And this is the one that gets me, Kirsch. Jalen Weidemeyer, tight end from Texas A&M, 491 yards receiving, 13.6 yards per catch, four touchdowns. Before this week against Tech, we went for three catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Bowers had 607 yards, 16.4 yards per reception, nine touchdowns. So, Kerr, I'm just going to give you the floor here, man. What did you make of Brock being left off the Mackey Award finalist list? To me, it almost felt like back in 1980 where um, Herschel was left off the, you know, more or less couldn't win the Heisman because he was a freshman. I feel like it was the same thing um, when it came to this Mackey Award. Now, two out of the three, I believe, in my opinion, deserve to be on there. Jalen Weidemeyer is only there 100% because of his name. Um, coming into the year, he was the hot name, especially in the tight end market. Talked about, you know, best tight end in the SEC, competition for the best tight end in the nation, and all the hype around him. And that's 100% why he's in there. It makes me even question if the the trustees of the fund, the Mackey Award, even watch college football or if they just kind of like go off like, Google who are the best tight ends in the nation and go off of, you know, what the, who were hyped up going into the year. Because if you watch it, it's without a, you know, Brock Bowers is without a doubt one of the best three tight ends in the nation. Absolutely. It's outrageous. I will use that word. I don't use that word lightly. It's outrageous. And you're right. Trey McBride from Colorado State, thousand yards from the tight end position, deserves to be on there. Charlie Kohler, I think, I mean, I've watched Charlie Kohler for a long time now. He's played Iowa State for many years. He's a really good tight end. I think Brock is better, but his numbers are comparable, and I have no problem with him being on that list. Jalen Weidermeyer, you're exactly right, Chris. That's my problem. That is my issue because all this is, it's a name brand thing. Weidermeyer's a junior. He's had two seasons under his belt. He's got the name brand. He's coming in, and they, you're right. They just kind of Googled, who are the best tight ends in the country? Oh, yeah, Weidermeyer. Yeah, I remember that guy. I know his name. Let's put him on this list. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. There's no freaking way. No way. There's no metric on earth that Jalen Weidemeyer is better than Brock Bowers. Literally, there's no metric out there, whether it's receiving yards, yards per kept, touchdowns, r- rushing touchdowns. Because Brock Bowers has one of those. Is Jalen? No, he doesn't. Uh, there's no metric. And if you just watch him play, Brock Bowers is just better. And here's the thing, too. 
Bowers hasn't gotten as many opportunities as he otherwise would have if he played for Texas A&M because we've just been murdering teams, and he hasn't played the majority of second halves. Weidemeyer hasn't always been the case with A&M. They, they've had a lot more competitive games than we have. So he's had more opportunities, and he still hasn't put up the numbers that Bowers has. It's just ridiculous, man. Absolutely crazy. And look, Bowers is – like, if he was a finalist – would he have won the award? Probably not. I'm okay with him. I'm not saying Bauer should win the award. I'm saying he should have at least had the honor of being a finalist. And I know it's not that big of a deal. Who cares, right, in the grand scheme of things? But it does kind of matter. Like, those kind of things matter in recruiting. Now, I know we don't suffer in recruiting, but you can sell those kind of things. They do matter. And it matters to Brock. Brock earned that, man. He earned that right to be left off because some idiots that made this decision just went with the name brand. Just, it's BS, man. All right, but let's go talk about his performance in this game, Curtis. So, Fresh off getting left off the Mackey War finalist list. He goes out, has three catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. He's now only two touchdowns away from this, from setting the single-season Georgia receiving record. And he's one of only two dogs, along with Terrence Edwards, to have 10 or more receiving touchdowns in a season. Kurt, simply, how important is Brock Bowers to this Georgia offense? He is very important, <clears throat> and I feel like the last couple of weeks we've kind of gotten away from him a little bit too much. The fact is you've got to target him at least five times a game, in my opinion. Oh, um, minimum. Minimum, because of what he does to the field. And the thing is, like, most tight ends are tough matchup problems for linebackers. Like, that's what you're hoping for. No, Brock Bowers is a tough matchup for any DB out there because he's a big body guy and can run with him. Um, so it's not just a linebacker where you're like, ooh, get a linebacker on him, and they're not going to be able to stop him in the slot or something like that. No, you can put Brock Bowers anywhere on the field, and he is going to be a tough matchup, especially if you can get him on someone in the star position. The, the long touchdown where he split the defense? I yeah. mean, we're not talking about linebackers, demons, linemen. Those are DBs. Exactly. He split them and pulled away from them. Where I was sitting in the end zone because I was in the upper uh, up in the end zone where he was running to, you could see it. As soon as he cut up field, at first you're like, ooh, these guys got angles on him. Like, hey, it'll be a nice completion. Then all of a sudden you see him turn into second gear, and you're like, oh, my God. You're like, it doesn't it, – it's reminiscent of – like when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is a UAB play all over again, just yep. in the middle of the field because those guys had angles on him. Yeah, they did. But as soon as he took off, it didn't matter. Yeah, you and I were sitting in the same section with the same vantage point there. And you're right. I, I thought like, a couple of guys had an angle on him. It's like, oh, it's going to be a nice big play. But he just turned on the turbo boosters, man. And boom, he's gone. Shot out of a cannon. That's just, I mean, unbelievable play there. And then I, I saw it coming there with him on the second touchdown. When you line him up wide out there, you got man coverage on the outside in the red zone. I, I, I said before the play. It's got to be a fade to Brock. And it was a fade to Brock, and he made the play happen. I mean, he's just doing it all, man. He's doing it in different ways. He's becoming a really good blocker as well. He's not as devastating as Darnell Washington is as an inline blocker. But he's he's aggressive. He's eager to go out and block. He wants to do well at it. It matters to him. And he's just – he's as total of a tight – like, the, he's the total package of tight end right now. I mean, as much as anyone in the country at, at this point. So, I, I think we have a guy on our hands right now the caliber that, we, uh, that we've never had. I mean, our, our good friend Cliff, I think he put this out there in, on Twitter, Curtis. He said he's going to call it right now that Brock Bowers is already the greatest tight end in Georgia history. Is that crazy? Are you with him on that? Um, Yeah, I mean. Nobody's put up those kind of numbers in that position, Curtis. Nobody. Numbers-wise, he is the best. Um, but you have We some- all talk about how bad – everyone all year we talk about how bad Stetson Bennett is. He's, so he's doing it with this quarterback that no one believes in. And he's got yeah, better numbers than any tight end in our can't throw the ball downfield and all these things. Um, I mean, statistically-wise, yes, 100% he is. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say he's had the sing- – he had has had the single best season of any Georgia tight end in history. Can we say that? Yeah, I, 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 I can agree on that easily. Yeah, I mean, he's young. He's got, he's got a couple years ahead of him. But that's what I'm saying. Like he's, if he's had the single best season – 
of any tight end in Georgia history as a true freshman, not a rusher freshman, a true freshman who didn't play a senior of high school football out in Napa, California. And you got to, I mean, we, ha- we haven't seen it yet, but you got to imagine there's even bigger and better things for him down the line, which is scary to think about. So I, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, he hasn't had the career, the full career yet, but I mean, I might die on that hill with Cliff. I think I might. I mean, I, I think we can go ahead and I, I will go ahead and say that. I think right now he's the best tight end that we've had at Georgia. And we've got some really, really, really good tight ends. Ben Watson, Randy McMichael, Orson Charles, and the list goes on and on and on. We have a bunch of good tight ends. But I think Brock is the best of the bunch. And I think that will be proven out here over the next couple of seasons. I think he's probably going to go out and have – I don't know if he'll have as long of a pro career as a guy like Ben Watson. Ben Watson played, what, 37 years in the NFL? It feels but, like. I mean, yeah, it feels like. I mean, he's going to have a big-time pro career. I mean, he's that kind of dude. So I mean, we're going to enjoy it and love him while we got him. We're, we're going to have him for two more years, and that dude's gone to the NFL. Well, last question about Brock first before we move on. If you and I know that Brock Bowers is – I mean, well, let me ask you this. Do you think he's the biggest weapon on our offense right now? Yes. No, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'll say it's a close between him and James Cook. Yeah, one, him or Cook, I would say, are two top yeah. options right now. Yeah. So if we know that, I mean, I don't want to speak for you. I'm not a smart man. You know that Nick Saban and the entire and Pete Golding and the entire Alabama defensive staff there, they know that as well, and they are going to be dead set to take him away. And if you and one thing about Brock too that makes him so valuable is like it's not just the plays he makes; it's the plays that he opens up for other players. They were doubling him from the get go in that game, guys. And that touchdown, the first touchdown pass to Jermaine Burton, that twenty five yard touchdown pass to Burton. If you go back and watch it, Brock Bowers when he ran a wheel route in that play, he was double covered, and that meant that you had Burton there with single coverage in the slot, and he's going to win that. Burton is going to win that ninety percent of the time. He's just going to. And so when Brock Bowers is as good as he is and he demands that kind of attention, it's going to open things up for everyone else. So if Tech knew that he was that kind of guy coming in, if, he, if they knew he was the top guy they had to shut down, you know Bama thinks the same thing. So, Curtis, how does he match with Alabama? Can he still find a way to be as effective as he has been like he was against Tech, even though that he's going to be the focus of their defensive game plan? I think he can, and the fact is that – especially when you watch Alabama's DBs and safeties and things like that, you think of like Trey Battle or um, is it, is it Trey Battle? No. Jordan Battle. Trey Battle is our, yeah, our, our old safety. Yeah. Um, but the fact is like when you think of Battle, you think of a hard hitter who's coming up, but you don't think of someone great in coverage. And that's what it's I was trying building to, coverage, yeah. Yeah, you still have to find the matchups, and that's what you do to attack them. Like you know he's going to be guarded heavily, which I actually am okay with because, like you said, it's going to open it up for everyone else. Um, especially when we start going multiple tight end sets and him and Big O out there. Like it's good. One of them is going to be open, but the fact is I still think knowing Todd Munkin, yes, he will still be utilized because Todd Munkin, no matter what, he knows half the time he, he's like, yeah, I know they're going to try to take these people away, but he's so good at scheming people. He's like, I'm still going to scheme this guy up. Just yeah. like last year, you know, especially when Jermaine Burton went down or things like that. Like, oh, you know they're going to try to t- – shut down George Pickens, especially like that Missouri game. Go back to that. I, I believe Burton didn't play in that one. And you know they're going to try to shut down George Pickens. Well, he still finds ways to scheme him open. And that's one of the things I love about Tom Munkin is the way he schemes people open. So, yeah, I still think there's a you're going to see um, Brock Bowers used. Now, you might not be as much like you see against Tech where he's just athletic superior. Like he's going to be superior athletically to a lot of people, but it's not going the gap's not going to be as big against Bama. But you will. Yeah, I mean, I love the matchup on the linebackers yeah, on their. But safety. you will s- still see him targeted. But I, I, more than anything, I'm just excited for the opening he gives to other people too. 
Absolutely. Again, case in point, we saw that with Jermaine Burton, that touchdown pass, that 25-yard touchdown pass. I think it was the, I'm pretty sure that was the first touchdown of the game, right? I think it put up, up 10 nothing there. But look, there's you're right. Talking about scheming them up, there's things that we can do. They're going to double them. They're going to. Now, are going to do it every single snap? Probably not. Depends on the situation, down in distance, you know, all that. That all goes into it. But there's things, you know, they are doubling them on every snap. You can you can run the screen game. You can do RPOs. There's things that you can do, and I have full confidence that Todd Monk can be able to do that because he did against Tech. I know Bama's a step up, a massive step up. We know that. But the concepts are still the same. You're going to double him. We're going to have to find answers to get him open and to scheme it away to, to get the ball in his hands and, and let him do what he does. And I, I have confidence that Todd Monk is going to be able to do that. It's going to be a tougher matchup. We know that. But, you know, they talk about matchups. I like the matchup against the linebackers. I mean, Toe Toe and Harris – are liability. They're not. I don't care. I don't say they're liabilities in coverage. They're not great in coverage. Battle Jordan Battle is a flat out liability in coverage for them. Helms is a little bit better in coverage, but Battle is a big time liability. So I actually like those matchups, and that's why I think they're going to double them because they understand that too. That's not a good matchup that, that's in their favor. So they're going to have to find ways to kind of try to take him out. And that I'm excited about what that does, opening up the rest of our of our players. And we're, we're going to come back to that later on, Curtis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Uh, number two here on my list is Stetson Bennett bombing away 14 of 20. 255 yards passing and pretty much just a half of football, four touchdowns, 12.8 yards per attempt. He's still second national yards per attempt and number one in the power five in yards per pass attempt. And Kurt, this has been the number one talking point all season. This is nothing new. Like we've heard all season long, all the questions we've gotten, when's JT going to be cleared to play? When's JT going to take the job back? All those things. But I mean, at this point, Curtis, all those questions have been answered and anyone with an IQ above I don't know, two can clearly see that Stetson Bennett is Georgia's starting quarterback and can see that he is going to continue to be Georgia's starting quarterback at least for the rest of this 2021 football season. And Curtis, I know, and you're not alone, a lot of people out there, and myself included at times, have. I know you've had some doubts about him all season long, but how do you feel about Stetson Bennett entering the postseason right now? Um, Nervous. Okay. Um, the biggest thing is... Truly, once again, like we haven't had to rely on him to win games. So I think to be in the playoffs, you're going to have to, the defense isn't going to win you every game. And I think that's just a fact. I mean, they may win. There will be a huge reason we win if we win. 
But the fact is you can't rely on them to hold everyone under 17 points or whatever it is. And the thing I'm nervous about is I know Setson makes uh, – you look at – you watch the game against Tech. Like he had a great comp- completion percentage and things like that. But the thing that scares us or scares me personally is if you're watching, especially like when you're watching like from the end zone where you can see the whole field and you see things opening up, I get nervous because he doesn't see the field quickly is my biggest thing is he doesn't get rid of the ball quickly. Like he, he sometimes there's a hesitation in there. Like he will complete the ball, especially against tech, you know, that one to Kiaris and some of these other plays where there were guys open and the reads weren't there as quickly. And against a team that's quicker, like Bama or stuff, that's what scares me. I think that's fair. I'm not going to push back on that too much. And I'll, I'll kind of in, in some obtuse way, agree with you here. I'll say that Stetson Bennett is the best option for our offense when we can continue to run the game plan that we've had all season long. I I think that he is the best option for the offense that we're running right now. Would you agree with me there, Curtis? Yeah, 100%. And, that, and that's the thing. Like, we haven't had to go up there and put all – I mean, we right. put up a lot of points with him at quarterback, so I sound crazy. But the fact is, like, it, it's not because we've been having to rely on being explosive and hitting the big pass plays. But we have been explosive, though. That's the thing. Well, and like, that, we that's, have, what I'm saying. That's, that's what I said. I sound crazy when I say it, but it's not like we're – but a lot of it has it's been, all set up off play action exactly i was about to say it's all been set up off play action a lot of his big shots have come on play action where it's not like where we're sitting back here in the shotgun and you know we're throwing it he his percentages aren't as high in my opinion well yeah we don't really use much like true drop back pass game with Stetson Bennett like how often does he like take a snap and like drop like take like a five-step drop it's where it's not play action very rarely just, very yeah rarely. very rarely it just doesn't happen where we're gonna we do we boot him out we sprint him out and that's what Stetson does well and like as, if we can continue to operate with the offensive game plan and the offensive structure that we have all season, Stetson Bennett is the best quarterback for this team. And we're going to continue to put up big points and beat a lot of teams and beat a lot of teams badly if we're able to do that. The, the concern, though, Curtis, I think it's fair in saying what happens if we play a team where that can't be the game plan. Like they, they force us out of our game. Because that happens, right? Curtis is football. You have to adjust. And sometimes – you get forced out of your game plan, and you have to adjust on the fly. Can Stetson Bennett be as effective if we're forced away from that game plan? And we haven't been there yet. No one has forced us out of that game plan all season long. But we're in the postseason, Curtis. I think you're right there. We're going to play better teams. And it's going to be interesting to see if it happens, how does Stetson respond? Can he answer the bell when he's forced to actually drop back and pass? Like we're going like legit drop back pass game. He's throwing the ball 40 or so times a game. Now, I my my contention though is this, Curtis. I don't think that's gonna happen. Like, like you really think a some team out there is gonna go put up so many points on our defense that we're gonna have to go win a shootout? Like, do you really think there's a team out there now that Ohio State I thought Ohio State could be that team? And they scared me for that reason. But now they're out of the equation. Of the teams that are still in contention for a college football playoff berth, Curtis, which of those teams do you really think is going to do that to our defense where we have to win a shootout? Um, I think Bama. Michigan? I think Bama. I mean, Alabama, yes. Alabama and, 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 my, and my biggest thing is it's not about that I don't think he can do it. It's just the more that he does it, the more of uh, the hesitation is more likely to catch up with you. And you're right, the question's always going to be there. It's going to linger until he does. And and let's be honest, especially with it being Bama, for the fans that were at that game last year, it's it's scary because of how bad he came out in that second half. And that's been a lot of, like, why people have been against him this year is because everyone has flashbacks to that second half against Alabama, just how 
there's no other way to say it, but how terrible he was that second half, especially he with his that game in the second half. Yeah, did, yeah. with his decision-making and his vision on the field. So if we win this game come Saturday, it wouldn't even be till the game is over that I feel safe because I thought we were doing well last time. So I think that's the biggest thing is people just – a lot of fans and everyone has flashbacks to that. And and Stetson has, is a completely different – or not completely different, but I think he has grown a lot. He's much better. Yeah, he's a much better – he's a better quarterback. But until we go out and do it against the top team, it's always going to be that that lingering theme. Well, I don't think that's one of the reasons. I think that's the main reason why people were hesitant to buy into Stetson in this season. I think that is the primary factor. They, just like you said, they saw the game against Alabama last year, and the idea was like, hey, yeah, he can beat Auburn. Yeah, he can beat Tennessee. But Well, and Bama was the one time we threw it, what, about 40 times with him? It felt like that game. Yep. So that's why a lot of people, like, even when I'm talking about it, like, the fact is, like, we haven't, I, I can't remember how many he had against Tennessee, but realistically, we haven't asked him to throw all that much, and that's why I get scared, because, I mean, I'm human, and I think back to that time, like, everyone always thinks back to when they got hurt, and as a Georgia fan with Stetson Bennett, you think back to that game. Oh, uh, I'm not going to sit here, I can't like her, so I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, I don't think about that game at all, and that performance, and I haven't at any point in the season, I certainly have. And I was, I don't know if I was hesitant to buy into Stetson. I, I think I got on the Stetson train a little bit earlier than, than some other people, but I, I have my questions and I, and I still have some questions. I, if, if we get in a position where he has to drop back and throw the ball 35, 40 times a game and the drop back pass, then can he do it? I don't know. I haven't seen him do it. So th- there, there's no proof of concept there. I guess is what I'm saying, but I mean, you're right, Curtis, like you go back to the Alabama game. So I'm pulling up the numbers right now. So against Alabama, he threw the ball 40 times, 18 to 40, 269, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Other than that game, he is. I don't think he's thrown the ball 30 times in a game. I really don't. I'm going to check this season. Yep. His high water mark is 29 attempts other than that game. And that's, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. When our game, That's our game plan with him, right? We want to run the football. We want to limit the opportunities that, that we put the ball in the air. And when we do, we want to take chunk, chunk shots off play action. And he has fit that to a T. But if someone knocks us off that game plan, then – What's it going to look like? And that, and that is the one question I have. And I'm not saying that Stetson can't answer that question affirmatively. I'm just saying it's fair for that to be a question. All right, let me ask you this, Curtis, here, real quick before we move on to the next one. Deep down, do you think we can be Alabama with Stetson Bennett as our quarterback? I think we can because the fact is we were dominating him for the most part in that first half with him. Um, you know, I've been hard on him, but like I said, he is a different quarterback this year. He has improved. Um, and if he can, you know, if he can stay within himself, I think that's the biggest thing is if Stetson can stay within himself, we can win. Well, if he can stay within himself and our defense continues to do its job so we can continue to operate with the game plan that we've had all year. If those things stay the same on Saturday against Alabama, then yes, we can win that game. And we will win that game if all that happens. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Let's take the next step. Can we win a national title with Stetson? In the past, you've said no. Do you still say no? I think it's the odds are growing in our favor with someone like, say, Ohio State getting knocked out. Ah, changing your tune a little bit. I like it. I like well, it. Like you brought up, Ohio State was the one team that when we talked about teams that were that when we, that we could potentially face that had good offenses, it was mainly Alabama and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And if we get in, Ohio State's not getting in, and the rest of the teams aren't as explosive, scary offensively. I mean, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma State, come on. I mean, those teams don't scare me offensively. They just don't. Alabama, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if Alabama scares me offensively. They're certainly more capable than those other teams. And so that, but that's been my point is like, which of those teams is going to force us out of what we do? Which one's going to put enough points on our defense to force us out of what we do offensively? 
And I thought Ohio State could do it. I think Bama's got the next best chance to do it. But after, I mean, Kurt, you saw the, the Iron Bowl. Like, after seeing that, how do you feel? Um, I mean, I think they were looking past this. But the fact is, no matter what, their offensive line is a liability, unlike it has ever been since Nick Saban's been there. The right side offensive line is a – I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say disaster right now. Especially – I was sitting there licking my chops thinking of uh, McLaughlin uh, going against Jordan Davis. Oh. Ooh, Dow Court, man. Mm. Night, 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 guys. It's not going to work out well for you. I'm just saying, just saying. All right, let's move on to the next one here, Curtis. Uh, number three, punt returns. How are you feeling about Kiaris Jackson returning punts right now? No, I put this one here because I know you were texting me about it during the game. How do you feel about Kiaris returning punts? He's explosive, yes. Scary, yes, also. Um, he scares me with his decision-making and his catching. Um and that's why he's back there, though, Curtis. It's not because we have other explosive guys. He's back there because he's experienced, and our coaches trust him. Can you say that right now? Do you trust him back there? No, because um, was it a couple weeks ago? Like It wasn't against Charleston Southern. It was against someone else. He was scaring me back there. And then you come out against Tech. The first one, he bobbles. And then second one, he just catches it and gets demolished when he should have called a fair catch. And I feel like it's the last couple games he's been making some questionable decisions. Yep. And I love Kyrus. I love Kyrus. He's an awesome player, an awesome leader in our locker room. And he's a, you're right, he's a dangerous return man. But, and he's done a really good job most of his career doing this. He really has. But I mean, you can't make mistakes like that. You can get away with against Tech. But Curtis, I mean, I don't know if you watched the, the, the Bedlam game, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, like special teams mistakes really cost both teams, went back and forth. And that can change a game. Like when you play these better teams like Alabama, it, the margins become razor thin, and things like that can absolutely cost you a game. Now, maybe if Lad McConkey goes out there, he makes the same mistakes. I don't know. You know, I mean, maybe the coaches have seen some in practice, and they see Lad make those mistakes and say, well, Karras might make some, but he makes fewer than Lad. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But regardless, like, the, I, I'm always nervous when the ball goes in the air on a punt anyway, but I'm, I'm a little more nervous with Karras than I ever have been with him based on what we've seen the past couple of weeks. And it just wasn't a good look, man. It, it certainly did not give me confidence in our return game heading into the postseason years. I don't know, man. All right, Kurt, if you're, if you're Kirby Smart, or if you're Will Mushamp, I guess, and you got to choose who's going to be our punt returner against Alabama, you staying with Kiaris or are you going with Ladd? Well, I'm going Ladd, especially with Kiaris battling this um, rib injury. You don't yeah. want him taking any unnecessary hits. And I'm not going to say I'm completely confident in Ladd, but I, think, I do think Ladd is a more uh, true like, – I think he's more of a true punt returner. He's got a little bit more of a wiggle – in his game, a little more quick twitch than Kiera's stuff, which I think punt returners need. But the experience is not there. That does concern me as well. So, like, I don't really have a ton of confidence either option because I'm just afraid someone's going to muff a punt or fumble or whatever, and it's going to cost us a game. And I just – it scares me, man. It just scares me. Had to be on the list. All right. Uh, kind of bearing the lead a little bit here, Curtis. Number four on my list, George Pickens makes his triumphant return to the field. We saw it coming. Kurt, the big question here, I don't, I mean, he played just a couple of snaps against Tech at one catch for five yards. The bigger question is this how much of a role do you think he plays this weekend against Alabama? I don't know if we'll use him a ton, but more than anything, like he makes you think about something because if you put him out there, the D coordinator is going to be like, oh, he's a decoy. Well, then you maybe throw him the ball because what we've heard is he's been still making some waves in practice against our defense which is a big thing um so you put him out there they ignore him try to throw him the ball and then maybe he opens it up for everyone else or they think okay we at least have to respect it and it opens up for someone so it just makes them think a lot which can be a good thing and let's be honest george 
I think takes pride in blocking. He's come a long way in the way he blocks. Also, he's if you look back, especially last year, he's one of those guys that would always just drive people downfield. He, I mean, George cares about winning. I know he's he's been immature at times. He's made some mistakes in his career, but he, the, the dude cares about winning. Made no mistake about that. He loves his teammates. He loves the team. He wants to win, and I love that about George because he's a very competitive dude. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make against Alabama, though. I, I do you think he could be a red zone weapon. I think that's where we might utilize him the most. Yeah, I mean, he's a bigger body guy. More, I think he's a more physical at the top of his route than say someone like Marcus Rosemis Jackson. I just have a lot more faith in him, like in a red zone situation, we're going to throw a back shoulder fade or just a fade in general to go up there and make a play on it. Like compared to anyone else on our team, I mean, including Brock Bowers, I, we just have more proof of concept in George Pickens doing that. And, and it, I know there's some rust there involved. He's got to get back in playing shape. Well, he's been practicing for a while. He's just been waiting to get fully cleared. I know all that's the case, but the, the guy knows how to go into the red zone and run a fade route. And I think that is something that we can certainly utilize against Bama this weekend. And I, I honestly, I expect it to happen. I don't, I don't know if he's going to play a ton, but I do expect to see him. And I, I think there's a, a chance that he could actually make a, a, an impact in this game and actually play a role in helping us finally get this Alabama monkey off Kirby Smart's back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Um, all right, Kurt, moving on here, number five on my list. Let's talk about the rush defense here for a minute. All right, it's hard to be critical when you just shut out Tech 45 0. Biggest shutout in Georgia history in this series. But the final stat line, if you look at it, yep, yeah, okay, they had 35 carries, 98 yards, held them under 100 yards, 2.8 yards per carry, long of 15, nothing, nothing big there, right? But if you take the sacks out and you just look at the top two running backs, okay, they, had, they rushed for 25, they were, I'm sorry, 25 times for 118 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. I'm talking about Dante Smith and Jordan Mason because Jameer Gibbs was knocked out in the first half. So, Kurt, I mean, look, I know – there's context there. We were rotating guys in and out. We were getting some of the backups opportunities. I understand all that. But how are you feeling about this rush defense heading into the SEC championship game? Did that give you any cause for concern? I did a little bit, but the more I watched it, if you saw when they're gashing us just a little bit, you look in and you're like, okay, it's some of these like really young guys in there that haven't got a lot of reps that are kind of getting a little bit too much upfield. Um, when it was Jordan Davis and people like that, they were controlling the line of scrimmage. We played a little bit too undisciplined, and we've done that. At, like we've been really good with discipline all year long, but there's been I say cases where we weren't. I think this is one of them. There's one play, Nolan Smith in particular, which he never. Nolan's been so good against the run this year. He's been awesome against the run this year. He's actually been better against the run than he has been rushing the passer. And he's really good at rushing the passer. He normally plays very, very disciplined. There's a play in particular. I think it was in the first half where he's chasing a play down the backside instead of staying home like he's supposed to, and they were able to break it back the outside, bust it back, and uh, cut it back. And they, I mean, it wasn't a huge game. They didn't gash us. I mean, the longest run on the day, I think, was 15 yards. But you don't, we haven't seen those kind of things out of this defense all year. I think it was just, you know, one of those, one of those well, games. Especially with right. Nolan, where he hadn't practiced in the last two weeks, realistically. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, context, you're right, we're playing a lot of young guys. And they also did some things schematically. They went with two tailbacks in the game at the same time. When you have two tailbacks that can that can hurt you, and you also have a mobile quarterback, it puts pressure on your defense in a little bit of a different way. And Tech hasn't done that a ton this year. So schematically, there's something a little bit different that was causing us a few issues there. But, like, again, we're nitpicking here. We still held them in check. No, no rush longer than 15 yards. Uh, 98 yards total, but that's with sack yards. But like, it's still like when you take out the sack yards and you have Tech rush for 118 yards and 25 carries, almost five yards of carry, that shouldn't happen. It's, it should not happen. And I'm not freaking out about it. There's no need to freak out. We've been awesome against the run. We've been one of the top two teams in the country along with Wisconsin against the run all year long. We've shut down top running back at the top running back at the top running back. So certainly – I'm not saying freak out. I'm just saying, like, I was sitting there watching the game. It's kind of like, oh, well, this isn't great. Like, this should not be happening. And so, I mean, when you go against Alabama, their offensive line is not as good as it has been in the past. We know that, especially the rest of that offensive line. But Brian Robinson is a guy. He's not an elite running back, but he's kind of a, a big physical back that wants to grind and run right at you. And we just got to bring our A game. That's all I'm saying. Just let's bring our A game. Let's get back to what we do, play disciplined football. I think once we get all of our, our starters in there for an entire game, I certainly don't think – It'll end up looking like that at the end of the day against Alabama, which I hope not. Um, all right, Kurt, next up here, number six on my list. So this is a stat for you. Our first nine completions against Georgia Tech went to nine different players, and all ten different players caught a pass on Saturday against Tech. And my question for you, Curtis, is this. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. In my opinion, is that's because – when you get too locked on to a receiver, you're easier to shut down. And if you're sh- sharing the ball, first off, everyone is building some confidence, especially because against a team like Bama, you're going to have to rely on everyone to come up and make a big-time play or a big-time catch at any one moment. So you need them to have their confidence up. And you can't be predictable. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things when it comes to Bama. When you go back to those games where we lost to them, especially with Jim Chaney and people like that as OC, we became too predictable, especially in the second half, and we didn't know how to respond. I don't think balance is ever a bad thing. And I know when you typically talk about balance in football, people think about, okay, you're running pass splits. Okay, 50% run, 50% pass. That's perfectly balanced. And that's one type of balance. You can be balanced in that respect. But Mike Leach defines balance in a different way. To him, balance is distributing the ball equally to all of your different weapons, all your receivers, your running backs. To him, that's balance. And so balance can be that too. So I don't think this is a bad thing at all. You're right, Curtis. You make the defense account for multiple options. It puts a lot of stress on the defense. You when you become predictable. Now, if you have, if that one option is just that good, then you know that can be really hard on the defense too. But when you have guys, let's count the weapons, Curtis. You've got obviously Brock Bowers. Talked about James Cook. Jermaine Burton caught a touchdown pass. George Pickens has come back in the equation now. Got Darnell Washington. You got Lad McConkey. You got Kyrus Jackson if he's healthy. Uh, we have. A plethora of uh, Kenny McIntosh. So many options out there, Curtis. And you want to get these guys touches. They're all that good. They all deserve touches. And when they can all hurt you and they can all make you pay, it puts a ton of pressure on defense. Going back to Brock Bowers. You double Brock Bowers. Okay, you think he's our our number one option? Fine. That leaves other people one-on-one. And we have the guys that can make you pay for that. We absolutely do. And that brings my next question here, Curtis. So Bama, yeah, they're going to try to take Brock away. We know that's going to happen. Get ready for it. They're going to double him. They're going to try to make us play left-handed. And that's what they should do. So, Curtis, who are we going to go to on those key third long situations where we've got to convert through the air? Who is that number one wide receiver right now? Well, realistically, in my opinion, we have three guys. A.D. Mitchell, uh, Jermaine Burton, and then I want to throw Darnell Washington in there. 
because if they're taking down, uh, taking away Brock Bowers, it could open it up Darnell on a really good matchup on a linebacker. Um, and as you saw against Tech, if you just like the reason him and Setson haven't been on pay, on the same page this year, but if you get it near him, his hands are so big, he's going to come down with it. Um, and then those other two, Jermaine's your more explosive guy, but AD Mitchell, he did have that bad drop on that third down. Um, he's still those, great, though. He's still great. Yeah, but those Jermaine and AD. I want to throw Kiaris, but I don't health wise. I'm sure, so I'm going to go with those other two. It's a shame with Kiaris. Kiaris, I think, was really he's really started to come into his own and was playing much better. Mm-hmm. I think he's finally getting healthy, and then he got the rib. So I don't know what his status is going to be. Hopefully, it's it's a minor thing. He'd be good to go. I hope, but you just don't know. But if you had okay, if you had to pick one, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to pick one, I agree with you. They could say it's any of those guys, but and that's kind of the point of the question here. Who like do we have a number one wide receiver? Who is that guy? I'm going to go Jermaine Burton. Um, the thing is, A.D. Mitchell right now, he's always accounting. You can always count on him for at least one drop. Um, and I just don't know how he's going to respond to the physicality of what Bama's going to throw at him. Um, he has dropped too, a few too many passes for my life. And he's Jermaine Burton has played against Bama, so that's why I'm going to go with him because he has the experience of how Bama likes to play. And Jermaine's one of the – it's like he's – not Jermaine. Uh, A.D.'s dropped a couple passes, but he also makes these really tough catches, strong hands too. So we know he's got the hands. It's just – just a freshman thing, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I think honestly, I think AD from a physical standpoint is our most physically gifted receiver outside of George Pickens. I, I do believe that. But you're right about the experience factor here. I might trust Jermaine a little bit more right now. Is that crazy? That's where I'm at, especially coming into this on this stage. Yeah. I so I mean, if we had to, who are you going to? I'm probably if you're taking away Brock Bowers, I'm probably going to Jermaine. But it, it's like there's not, I don't know if there is a right answer. I think that's probably who I would go with, but like, I wouldn't be mad at you if you said AD. I wouldn't be mad at you if you said Lad. Honestly, if you said Lad McConkey, I wouldn't be upset with you. I mean, Lad has made play after play after play. He's a little bit of a different receiver, but he's shown that he can absolutely make game changing type plays. We saw that early in the season against Auburn. So I don't know. I don't know if there is a, a true right answer there, but I think if, if I had to say who am I going to, I'm probably looking for Jermaine Burton first. Um, all right, Curtis, last thing here. Now, this is not. A Georgia-specific question, but we all watched the Iron Bowl on on Saturday. And uh, obviously, if you watched that, you saw the Alabama offense look very, very human against Auburn. 388 total yards, 8 for 22 on third down. They were held scoreless until the 844 mark in the fourth quarter. Curtis, we're going to do this a lot more throughout the course of this week. But just a quick little look, because I know the fans out there, I know the listeners want this. What did you see from Auburn? that gave Alabama issues offensively, and can we replicate that? Well, they did benefit from Jamison Williams um, getting ejected Big because it, it, it kind of shrunk the field a little bit. But we're going to have to get pressure on um, Bryce Young. I've been saying that the whole time since we've clinched and you knew we were going to be facing Bama. Um, you know, the, the, the three games I felt like he had struggled the most was LSU – or he has struggled the most were LSU, A&M, and now Auburn and those three teams have in common is they were able to get pressure on him. So we're going to have to get pressure on him, and but also keep him in the pocket. We got to keep pressure on you. Had to get pressure on him, keep him in the pocket, which is easier said than done. He's very slippery back there. His escapability is second to none in in the entire country this season. But you also have to hold up a man coverage because when you when you try to get after him, and, and if you start to bring the pressure and actually bring extra bodies and not just bring a four man rush, and that's but that's the thing though, Curtis. Auburn was getting after him. And getting to him with a four-man rush. Which is kind of what we did to Clemson three or four. That's been our MO all year. And if we can continue to do that, then I think we'll be in a better situation. Yes, if we can find a way to scheme it up and get pressure on him with a four-man rush and be able to maintain structural integrity on the back end with different coverages, 
that is going to make life very difficult on them. And what we saw from the right side of their offensive line, Curtis, that does not fix itself in one week, right? No, because you are who you are, especially this far in. Absolutely. Just like we are who we are on the offensive line, and I still have some concerns there myself on our offensive line, there's no magic wand to fix that Alabama right side of that offensive line. You're not fixing that in one week. It is what it is. Now, what they have to do is they're going to have to game plan around. They, they sprint him out. They boot him out. They get him out of the pocket more. They will have the answers, but they're not going to fix the offensive line in one week. They have who they have. And if Auburn's very average defensive line was able to do that to them, Curtis, what on earth are we going to be able to do next week? You're hoping good things. I mean, you, you would certainly hope so. And look, and every game is different. I understand it's a rival game. I get all of that. We had different players. They had different players. Auburn does. And they'll be a totally different game plan. And, and, and obviously, them kind of being exposed like that is going to lead the Alabama offensive coaching staff to try to figure out some answers to kind of mitigate that to a degree. But you're right. You're 100% right, Curtis. The answer to the Alabama offense is getting pressure on them and then being able to hold up in the back end. But if you can get pressure with four, it's going to make it very, very difficult on them. So, yeah, I mean, again, if, if Auburn is able to do that, can we replicate that? Yeah. Yeah, we can because we're just that much better up front than Auburn is. But there's a lot more meat on that bone, guys. Trust me. And we'll get into all of that later on this week. We'll have a lot more for you guys on that game. That's the focus of the rest of the week. But for now, that closes the book on Clean Old Fashioned Hate 2021 edition. We really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day. Listen, you got to check in later this week, guys. I'm telling you, we're going to have the best coverage for the SEC Championship game that you're going to find anywhere. There's a ton of great content out there. They're all great. They all bring their own value to the the table. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for X's and O's, if you're looking for the hardcore football talk, we are going to bring that to you all week long. So make sure to check back in here. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thank you for listening. And as always, go dogs.